The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. everyone and welcome to the Axe Playlist Podcast, where we break down barriers through themed playlists. I want to share, create, and discuss the perfect listens. Today, it's just going to be me, your host, the Axe. And tonight's listen is called Vibing. I really couldn't think of a better title. <laughs> I've thought about trying to like rename it, but with all of the different things that I've got going on there, I still think that that is a good title for what I was trying to do. Um, the first song is Oh My Heart by R.E.M. It was released in 2011 and it was on their 15th album. I didn't know any of that until I tried to read up for, for this uh, podcast, but I did go through a brief R.E.M. phase in the fall of 2016, like right, no, fall of 2017, right after my mom passed away. Um, but my listening experience then was, I think, just kind of limited to a free version of Pandora. So I did like an REM radio because I wanted to hear those like, you know, Orange Crush and it's the end of the world as we know it. Those those ones that we all know. Um, so this one, I don't think got played on that station. And I I'm remembering this because I was working with the Anna, which has been a guest on a few episodes. Um, and we were talking about. Like I was really into them and I was like, I need to make you an REM playlist. And she was really into Beck and she was like, I'll make you a Beck playlist. Neither of these playlists came to fruition, but uh, I think like we were both kind of in our own groove in these like respectively different places. Um, But I heard Oh My Heart on a TV show that my husband and I were watching called The Bear. It's on Hulu. It's a really great show. Um, about a chef who inherits a bar from, no, it's a restaurant, from his brother who passed away. They kind of reveal later on in the show that he died by suicide, and that is how my mom passed away. So anytime I'm exposed to that in storytelling, I'm kind of alert to how it's portrayed and a little sensitive to how it could impact people that have survived those kinds of losses like me. I know at first after my mom died, it was really hard for me to watch friends because even though I have a lot in common with Phoebe, um, <laughs> uh, I, I struggled a little bit with the fact that it was constantly a punchline. And as a result, like, I mean, friends was one of my favorite shows growing up. One of my mom's favorite shows, one of my little brother's favorite shows, but uh, it impacts the way that you view it when it's just constantly joked about. And uh, I lost a really good friend to suicide as well um, in 2008. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's different when it's a parent. It's it's hard when it's a friend, but it's different when it's a parent. And I, I'm i really close with her mom. And I think she would say it's it's hard when it's a friend, but it's different when it's your daughter. Um, so it, it's one of those things where I think the bear did a good job of showing, you know, what happens to a family that is fractured by somebody making that choice. And 
it also just kind of like highlights the stress of working in the service industry, which is something that I think should be talked about a lot right now, because a lot of people have gone through a lot of different kinds of abuse from the public uh, because of COVID. So anyway, the bear's a great show and I've rewatched it a few times. And this was one of those, we were watching it while we were cooking because that feels appropriate, right? It's a chef show. Um, and my husband, they always, every time they go like to walk past each other in the show, when they're in the kitchen, they go chef, you know, like left chef or chef, chef. And they scream chef. So my husband and I will scream chef at each other while we're making dinner and, uh, we were grilling. So he's like outside and I'm inside, you know, doing some kind of prep. And I was like, chef is the fire ready chef. And, uh, and then at the end of that episode, I heard, Oh, my heart by REM. And I, it, I mean, I think it's like perfectly named because, oh, my heart, when I heard it, oh, my heart, when, when I hear it still, like it did something to me, it, it pulled at me and it, it, it almost is like, it hurts so good. Like when you hear it, it's such a strong feeling that overcomes you, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a beautiful song. And, um, one of my favorite favorite lines is when he said, when they say it's sweet and it's sad and it's true how it doesn't look bitter on you. But then the band kind of takes turns saying, Oh my heart, like calmly. And then kind of like in a moaning, like a cry. And it's like a cry and a moan and it's raw and it's just really, I don't know, it's passionate. But over and over again, uh, I guess like the chorus starts out with this place is the beat of my heart. Yeah, this place is the beat of my heart. Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart. And I'm really missing my mom and my brother right now. My little brother passed away in 2013. And when I listen to this song and I hear this place is the beat of my heart, I think about how it feels for me to be at the cemetery and where they are. And you know, they're not here now, but they are the beat of my heart. So they are the place in my heart. And when I go to where they physically are, this is the beat of my heart. Now I know the song, I think it, it talks about like a city and how cities change. And, you know, I think anybody that listens to it that leaves home and comes back again, probably feels, feels a little something. But for me, home is where my family is. And every time I evolve further and further away from the circumstances I was born into and the people that I was born into or with, um, it, this song just really perfectly captures that feeling. It, it does. I, it, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how else to say it. It just, I, every time I hear it, I think about all of the times that I've gone to the cemetery and especially like after my, after my brother died, he died in, in November. So there was a lot of frost on the ground and a lot of like, you know, going there to see him and doing it when I would like work second shift. So it would be like in the mornings or I would try to sneak in at night after I got off work when they were closed, but they used to keep the back gate open and unlocked until Pokemon go became a thing. And then people just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't control themselves. And then the whole protests for black lives matter, because 
um, there was like a monument across the street that had, uh, it was like a rock that was donated by, I think it was like the daughter. I don't remember the Confederate daughter It's something racist. And, uh, it had like a general Lee plaque on it. And I think it was there because supposedly he'd rode a horse through the town. I'm not really sure, but I remember the protests. And then I remember the backlash from the protests and it happened right after my mom passed away. So I couldn't go in anymore to see them. They were locking it up at night and it made me angry because it was just all of this like hate that was, that was causing it. All of this hate from like the reaction to people who are just like, please don't trample on my civil rights. And you know, we need to fix history and make it right. And the backlash from that, from, you know, people who look at me, I'm, I'm white, blonde haired, blue eyed. They think that I look like an Aryan youth and they expect me to kind of go along with it. And I don't, I get pissed off when I see a Confederate flag, especially when it's decked out on a truck that's going in circles in front of the cemetery. And that guy is the reason why I can't go in and see my mom, you know, or see my brother. And you know, I mean, it was a rock. Like what, why do you give so much of a shit about a rock like that? You probably didn't even know that was there, right? Like nobody knew it was across the street from the entrance. So why are they so hung up on it to try to defend it? Like, I mean, if it's a hateful symbol, let's get the fuck rid of it. Right? Like I don't want to have to walk around in a world where I see shit like that all of the time. I couldn't imagine if I, everywhere I went, that's something I had to deal with. And, you know, like, if you think about that, like, I remember being told that there were Confederate flags on courthouse buildings and things like that by my black friends. And I was like, you're kidding. Like that, that can't be real. Come on guys. That cannot be real. And then I looked and it was, and I just felt, I don't know, like I embarrassed by my privilege and angry for my friends and for my friends, kids. And, you know, for anybody that has to go around feeling that way. Um, but yeah, I, when I hear, oh, my heart, it reminds me of the times when I could go into the cemetery before that hate spilled over into the community and I didn't have to be locked out and away from my family. And, you know, there is something about being there when the sun comes up and watching the sun touch the dew and, and watching it melt and feeling the wind break on you because there's no trees or anything. It, it's kind of an open area and the biggest things that would break the wind are some of the headstones. Um, it's a really hard thing to do. And Oh, my heart really captures that feeling for me. And when I heard it recently, I thought, Jesus Christ, like I miss them so much and it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. You know, the more that time passes and the farther away you are from the day they died. I don't know. It's like, I, I, every time I go through a change, you know, I, I get a new job or I get a promotion or, you know, I'm in school or I get an A or, you know, I got married or, you know, any of those things that you don't get to share with those people. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder because there are times when they kind of die all over for you, like again and again. And... I don't know. Oh, my heart takes me back to a time and a place where I could grieve without worrying about what was happening around me. And I, I wish that we could make that space for everybody. So um, 
that sets us up for Rose Tattoo, which is number two, by the Dropkick Murphys. The first time I heard this song, I think I was, I don't remember what I was doing, actually. I just remember immediately feeling like, I, I remember like feeling like this is exactly what it feels like to grieve because it's about tattoos that you get for people that have died. And I have, I counted them before I jumped on here. I have seven, like what this would be defined as rose tattoos. I have seven rose tattoos myself. And um, they're all like those like tributes that you get so that you can carry those people with you. And I remember the first time my husband heard it and he was like, wow, (laughs) like this is definitely this is you, this is your, this is definitely you. And even now, like every time he hears it afterwards, like he'll hear hear a new lyric and be like, this connects with you and this connects with you and this connects with you. Um, So his validation is really appreciated. But one of my favorite parts, it kind of, it opens up in, in one of the first lyrics is, I wake up every morning and before I start each day, I take a drag from last night's cigarette that smoldered in its tray. Then I'll down a little something and then be on my way. And that's beautiful imagery. It's it's poetry. And for those of you that smoke, we know what that taste is, right? To grab a cigarette that you didn't finish from the night before, relight it and go. It's disgusting, but delicious at the same time. <laughs> like it's stale and strong. It's, it is an absolute conundrum of an experience to enjoy. But there's a part of you that's like, I need this to get, to get moving. But then there's this part of you that's like, I need to quit smoking now if I need this to keep moving. But I actually learned how to smoke cigarettes through that method. I, you know, I was living, it was one of those like, like my mom, we, my mom was going through a divorce. We were living with like friends, like her friends and they had kids and they would steal the cigarettes from the parents' ashtrays and they would, um, we would sneak into the bathroom and like the, turn the fan on. Like that would really change it. I don't know what we thought we were getting away with. I was eight, by the way, they were all like in their teens, like early teens. They thought they were hardcore. Um, so did I, I guess. Uh, but that's the trailer park life. And I, I remember like totally, totally like lighting the cigarette and learning how to smoke butts and that taste. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't know what I was doing and you know, whatever, like I moved on. And then it's kind of funny because my mom said her first cigarette was when she was like seven or, or yeah, like seven, I think. And I, I don't think I ever told her that one of her best friend's kids taught me how to smoke when I was eight. Um, I might've, I might've when we were, when I was like in my twenties, I might've like let it slip. Like, Hey, just so you know, Amy and Trisha taught me how to smoke. Sorry guys, totally throwing you under the bus. Um, but, uh, <laughs> there's something about that, that just connects. And I think it would connect with any smoker really. Um, but the next thing that I really like, I, I, the very first line in this, in the song is the pictures tell the story. And that's what it is. When somebody passes away, you've got their pictures and you've got the pictures that you put on your body to carry them with you um, as well. And those are the things that comfort you. And they say, you know, I had these memories all around me so I wouldn't be alone. And that's what I feel like. I, you know, I go out, like I I said, I had seven tattoos. It's not for seven people. It's for three. (laughs) Um, but I miss them so much and they have influenced me in such a way that 
I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if they realized, you know, when they were here, how much I loved them and how deep their loss was for me. But I, part of my, my grieving process is to, you know, I, I will go out and get a tattoo more than one. Um, just whenever the occasion feels right, or when I have something that I want to celebrate or share or honor for them. And, um, you know, you do, you do start to kind of gather things, you know, like items. <laughs> it's like, you know, I have my brother's iron maiden lighter and I've got, um, his like pass to get on base from when we went to see him when he was in the military. No, it was his friend's pass. His friend's families didn't come. So they hung out with us and we went to see a movie and whatever. And they left a pass in the car. And I kept that. It's in a little, and it's actually in a little tin that it, the tin came. Uh, I got that for my brother. It was a wallet. I got him for Christmas and he couldn't keep the tin with him because he went to boot camp and then Germany and all this stuff. So he left it at home. And then after he passed away, I, I kept it and I fill it with stuff that reminds me of him or from him or that were memories of him and his friends. So you, you keep things and that's what that is. And they say in the song, um, I ain't winning no one over. I wear it just for you. I've got your name written here in a rose tattoo. And that's what that is for me. It's, you know, I don't do it to impress anybody. I don't, like, cause I, th I, I don't know how many I have people. That's like a conversation piece though. People are like, Oh, how many tattoos do you have? And you know, Oh, let me see. And what's it for? And all that, all that shit. But I don't, I don't do it for the, the coffee table talk. Right. I do it for my healing. And so that when I have these moments, Oh crap, I actually don't have seven. I made, I just realized I missed one. Um, <laughs> totally. I forgot about that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do it because I, I, I want, I want them to be here. And, you know, when you, when you put that memory on you forever, no matter what you're going through, you'll look down and see it and maybe you'll feel better or more connected. Um, and they won't feel so far away because that's hard too when they start to feel really far away. So Rose Tattoo helps me kind of move forward. <clears throat> and I think one of the best parts is they do this like drum beat and chant. And, you know, it just, they keep saying in a rose tattoo and a rose tattoo. I've got your name written here in a rose tattoo with pride. I'll wear it to the grave for you. And then like right before this like big, like epic, like cheer and, you know, where you're, when you know you're in the mosh pit and you're going to start, you know, like dancing your heart out. They say, signed and sealed in blood, I would die for you. And I think anybody that's outlived somebody that they love, they feel that way. They feel like I would die for you. And I think that's important. And another thing that they say is, you'll always be here with me even if you're gone. And that's important too. So it's a really cathartic song. It's a really healing song. And I definitely recommend it for anybody that's suffered any kind of loss. Next, we have What's Left of the Flag by Flogging Molly. So I have a friend, my little brother's best best friends, like hit, are Josh and Bree, um, husband and wife. And my brother passed away in the fall of 2013. And Bree's favorite band is Flogging Molly. 
And I, I, you know, like I've heard, everybody's heard, everybody that's seen PS I Love You has heard, um, has heard some of their songs, but, um, my brother loved seven deadly sins. That was his favorite. <laughs> and, uh, when I went to see them after my brother died, I went with Josh and Bree and it was Bree's first concert and, or not first concert, but first concert to see them live and her response and energy in that mosh pit was just just fucking epic. I mean, it was like if you took a kid to Disney World, it was amazing. Like she loves them like I love music. So it was great to be there with her and share that with her. And when they played Seven Deadly Sins, she grabbed me and we did like we held on to each other's hands and just spun in circles and circles and circles like helicopter spins and like Titanic style, just like spin, 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 spin. And we just fucking had the best time just dancing and jumping and giving all of our energy to my brother's memory. And I am so thankful that, you know, I got to share that with her and that she was there for it and that she was in it as hard as she was. It was great. It was fucking great. And, uh, what's left of the flag though. That's one that I was listening. I was listening to them a little while after my brother passed away and that song was playing and it just, it, it, I think it was the first song that I'd heard after he died that made me think I could get through the grieving process. And I mean, I just, it drags you in right away. Like the, my very favorite part is when he says the rosary beads count to one, two, three. And I do that every time. Like one, two, I, I bang on whatever I'm around one, two, three. And that's what I, I don't know. Like every time I see them and they play it, I fucking lose my mind. <laughs> it feels so good. It feels like there is like fresh ocean air being breathed into my lungs, even though I live in a landlocked state. And after my mom died, the Anna took me to see them. We went in the fall of 2017 and we had a fucking blast. Same thing. Lost my mind. We were in the mosh pit. Just had the best fucking time. Rocked out really fucking hard. And it was at Bogarts, which if you're not from Ohio, um, Bogarts is one of those places that, I don't know. I think that like the older I get and the farther away I get from being there, the more I, I probably change the shape of it in my memory. But when I was younger, it was like, a really raw, gritty place. And, but it was, it was like the place to be. And like, if you wanted to hear really good live music, but it, it was kind of like those movie theaters, you know, like where your feet stick to the floor and there's like just layers of spilled liquid and candy and shit, but it was a rock club. So it was layers of spilled beer and other alcohol and sticky things that, happen <laughs> at rock clubs and you know you didn't want to go to the bathroom by yourself and then when we I go as an adult now like older and they've got like posters hanging up now I remember as a teenager the only clock that was there was like a little alarm clock that hung out on the stage like a tiny little like one of those 1980s push here to snooze like it's got the wood it was like a wooden paneled alarm clock with the like red digital numbers and I and and then you go now and they have like a smoker's lounge and like an upper deck and you know all of this shit it's super fancy you can go to the bathroom by yourself 
nobody will break the doors down and they do all lock and there, there is privacy. It's super weird. It's weird in a good way, I guess, but it bums me out because it's not the sticky trashy place that I remember from my youth. But, uh, Everything that every time I hear what's left of the flag, this time I remember Dennis Casey. He's uh, one of the guitarists. He he always comes out after the show and says hi and you know like shakes hands with the fans, throws out guitar picks and and whatever. And this isn't the first time I met him. I met him. I've met this would have been the third time I met him. Um, he came out and I walked up to him and I told him, hey, you know, thank you thank you guys for doing what you do and, and singing the songs that you do. And I don't know, just like being available to your fans because I've seen you before my, my mom died. And and now I've seen you after my mom died. It was more like I saw you right after my brother passed away. And now I'm seeing you right after my mom passed away. And every time I see you guys, I, feel like I can heal and I can move forward and I'm just so thankful. And he hugged me and he reached in his pocket and he handed me a guitar pick. And he said, that's why we do this. Thank you for being here. That's why we do this. You know, come again. Thank you for sharing that with me, but that's why we do this. And it felt fucking amazing. <laughs> so if you guys haven't given Flogging Molly a chance, they're fantastic fucking band. Um, and if that's the kind of shit you can have as an experience, then, you know, you should definitely open yourself up to that because it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, the next song on here is whiskey in the jar by thin Lizzie. That's on here because it just fucking fits, right? Like <laughs> I had a, I got, you know, an American Celtic band and then an Irish band and then an actual, another Irish band. So it fits. Um, but there's a story about whiskey in the jar. A lot of people nowadays only know the Metallica version, which bums me out. Mine is the Thin Lizzy version. I love Thin Lizzy. I think I've talked about that on previous episodes. I fucking love them. I love them so much. One time I had to go pick somebody up from the courthouse. They're no longer a part of my life. It was for a DUI. And I went to get them. And when I pulled up, I had my windows rolled down and was blasting jailbreak because that's what you get, fucker. Uh, but whiskey in the jar is an Irish traditional like song. It's, it's like a historical Irish song, but it started being recorded in like the fifties. Um, but it became popular by the Dubliners in the sixties. Uh, I like from what I read, like they started, re they've recorded it on like three different albums, but it, I think like the version that really stuck was in 1968, but then the highwaymen did it in 1962 as well. So, you know, you got the Dubliners, they, they kind of released it in the early sixties and then they really like lean into it and get recognition in the late sixties. But in 62, the highwaymen always re also released a version, but then later then Lizzie released it in 1973. That's the version that I think most people know or should know. And if they're listening to the Metallica version, that is why like this, this version is why there's a Metallica cover. Don't know if everybody knows that if they don't, they should, uh, because it's good to know where that comes from. Um, especially because, because I fucking said so thin, thin Lizzie, I think is one of the most undercelebrated bands. I love them so fucking much, but the story is like about robbery and betrayal and more murder and foregone love. 
And it just kind of belongs on the mix because it's raw, it's unpolished, it's vulnerable, and it's painful. And the story it tells, if you let yourself listen, is such a great story. The next song is The Tempest by The Real McKenzie's. I think I first heard this while I was cleaning my house, but it's like the spots that you never clean, right? Like under the bed, you know, baseboards, whatever, around the vent, in the vent. You know what I'm talking about. All those dark, deep nooks and crannies. And it was so much fun that I actually picked my phone up to text my brother, but he had been gone at this point for five or six years. But like for a minute, I forgot and that has happened a couple of times. It's happened, right? Like it, it happens. Um, the first time it happened, I was watching Almost Famous, the bootleg cut. And in that version, Mitch Hedberg plays the Eagles tour manager and he has a couple of lines. And the regular version, you see him like kind of in the background nodding his head. He doesn't have a line. But in the bootleg cut, he talks. And you know it's him and you see him and he's got, you know, like some camera time. And I was so pumped that I grabbed my phone to text my brother, but I was actually watching that movie the day after his funeral to feel better about the fact that we had just buried him. And it it was like I lost him all over again. And so sometimes you have that and you feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm just gonna like die in this grief. I'm just gonna live in this circle. But you do get to a point later on with some time and some therapy and some self-care where it actually feels good when you forget because you get to be the person that you were before they died. And the and the person that they are now or that you are now um, all at the same time and the person that you wish that they could know. And, you know, when I grabbed my phone to tell him, Hey, I need you to listen to the song. He wasn't, he wasn't on the other end of that line. His, his number wasn't even in my phone anymore, but for a whole minute he was there. And as a result of that, I have made everybody listen to it. <laughs> I went to work and was like, you guys need to listen to it. I sent it to his friends. I, I mean, my husband, my friends. I'm like, you guys need to fucking listen to the song. Such a great song. I mean, if it's, if it's so good, right, that the first thing that I want to do is reach out to the person that I used to reach out to first. When I had heard a good song, you know, when I wanted, I don't know, when I wanted to like sing and dance to a song, it, 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 it bears repeating, right? You can share it with other people. But like, I love it because he just like, the main line is like, row, row, you bastards. I don't I love that. It's so much fun. And they're, they're also a Canadian Celtic punk band. They formed in 1992. And they have toured with Flogging Molly and Rancid and Metallica. So again, totally fitting and appropriate for them to be on this, on this playlist. And the next song is Hang Me, Oh Hang Me by Dave Van Ronk. So like what, like most people, my first experience with Dave Van Ronk was watching Inside Lewin Davis. Um, but I think like he's been behind a lot of things that we didn't realize. So, you know, watching Inside Lewin Davis and seeing that kind of fictional portrayal, great. But there's actually a lot of stuff that he did that like Bob Dylan took the took the credit for. So any of those like, I don't know, hardcore acoustic Greenwich Village fans, they should read The Mayor of McDougal Street. It's his 
autobiography. It's great. I mean, it's just fucking great. He talks about his life. He talks about the things that he's done, how passionate he is, how pure he is. He's totally a purist. And and I put it on here because I kind of wanted to recenter and slow down the mix. It, it starts with a lot of this heavy stuff. Um, I used to listen to him a lot when I was driving to work. Uh, I had like a 45-minute drive, and I hated my job. I hated my life. It was after my little brother had passed away as well. So I, I was, it was like a self-soothing thing. Like, I'll just listen to this. It'll calm me down. It'll help me brace myself for all the shit I have to go put up with, uh, from where I'm headed. And, you know, but it, it's like, it's gentle, it's calming and it's serious. The lyrics that I love though, he says, I wouldn't mind the hanging, but the laying in the grave so long. I think it's actually about an execution, but at the point when I had gotten to know the song, it had been after one of my good friends had committed suicide um, and after my little brother had passed away. And and now listening to it, my mom had committed suicide as well. I hear, that, I hear those lyrics and they sound different to me, even though I know that's not what it's about because there is just such this finite thing. And you think about that stuff. You think about, you know, their final resting place and the condition of that. And so those lyrics I think are really good at kind of calling out the permanence and the loneliness of death. Uh, But because the mix was so heavy up until now, I tried to flip it on its head and I threw in hair down by the cold war kids. And that's, I mean, this is another one of those, like I was listening to this a lot when I was driving to work, same, you know, same, same job, same time, place, same time and place as when I was listening to Dave Van Ronk. Uh, but this song actually kind of sounds more like falling in love. And I used to have really long hair that I cut off and I actually kind of miss. I'm, I do that a lot. I'll grow it out and then I'll cut it off and then I grow it out and I cut it off. And it, it's like part of my grieving process. I had really, really long hair. My mom passed away, chopped it off. Um, That was because I looked a lot like her. And it was really, really hard to see like a Mufasa moment, right? Like when you're looking at yourself, but you see your parent talking to you. So I had to get rid of it so I could find me again. And then I grew it back out and then I got sick. And it was really hard to try to figure that out and and navigate it. Um, But I'm good now. And, And so now I'm trying to grow it back out. And now I'm in this like really weird like... 90s Meg Ryan face where it's it's long but it's not <laughs> it's not long at all by like by the standards that I used to have but it's getting there and but the song it says you said you'd let your hair down you've got enough to go around you've been telling me that since the day we met and just all of that makes me laugh because I remember you know I remember young younger me like past me and I was just like, oh, you know, like, that's what it's like, right? Um, I did have enough to go around. It was way too much hair. It was a lot of hair. It's great hair, though. Great hair. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn. And uh, I don't know. I remember, like, been, my husband and I, he's been on the he's been on the episodes before Chuck Winchester. We were we were really getting close when I was listening to this. And I remember just like the sound, the sound of this song and the way that they play it and the notes that they hit and all of the things that they say, it sounds like that, the vulnerability of opening yourself up to a permanent kind of love. 
And my favorite fucking part is when he says she's laughing like a choir girl. When she doubles over, it sounds like hallelujah. And what that captures for me is the joy of an intimate laugh. That, like, every time I make him laugh, every time I make him double over, it I feel like I've, like, hit the lottery. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I might never be a rich person. I might die penniless, but I will always feel like a millionaire because I make him laugh. And the way that he laughs every time I hear it. I feel like a fucking millionaire. It's the best feeling in the world. And I think, I think like when you, when you first get to know somebody like that and you, and you get to let your guard down and you can trust and you know that it's safe to trust and you have this space that you can kind of learn who you are in. It's so, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's pure dudes. It's so pure. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. And you know, there's other lines that I like, like she's just her mother's daughter I look just like my mom and you know, like I have this picture of us where my hair and her hair, we've got it flipped over our shoulders and we're leaning into the camera and our hair is like blended together so much that you can't tell where her hair ends and my hair starts. And I'm actually laughing in the picture, holding onto like both of our hair. Like I'm just like, got a fistful of our hair going like, what is this? (laughs) Why is this? And it's those things that you miss when you don't get to have them anymore. But this song does so much to capture like where you're from, who you are now and where you're going. And the end of the song he says something about like Roman in the kitchen. So there's a guy in the kitchen named Roman and Roman says true love. It waits, but of all the rules he lives by, that's the one he hates. And I think that's something that's really hard for a lot of people. I mean, it was hard for me. I was, I was single a lot in my twenties and, you know, just trying to figure it out. And I, but I knew I was waiting for the right thing. I knew that I knew that I didn't want to waste my time with, with, what like I I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It's just like you know in your heart what when you know yourself you know what you need and you know right away what's a good fit and what's a bad fit and you know what you know what you're supposed to have and you know you know and so you know I didn't I didn't waste my time like jumping into these meaningless relationships. I was all in or not and if I was all in and it didn't work, cool. I'm gonna like take that away and figure it out and it's and whatever, right? And I feel like I, I was just waiting this whole time for Ben, which I named him. <laughs> I named him officially his, but for Chuck, <laughs> I hate that fucking name. If, if he's listening to this, he'll tell me that that's too bad, but I hate that name. It's not a good name, <laughs> but um, you know, the fact that that song ends on somebody from the kitchen talking about giving like advice on life, on life and love I think you get a lot of your best advice and experience and knowledge from people that have lived really hard and have, have worked really hard and that just kind of know, you know what I mean? Just like they just know. And when that guy's talking about it, it ties back into the fact that this whole playlist is inspired by a song that I heard playing at the end of a TV show that takes place in a kitchen. And the next song is three angels by the headstones. Uh, they're another Canadian band. I've got a thing, I guess, for Canadians. <laughs> I've only been there the once. Uh, it was a great time. I'd love to go again. It's true what they say. They're all very polite, very kind. Um, but this song is called Three Angels. 
And I actually originally I wanted the song called Burning, but it's not on Spotify. That's a great song. Check it out. Fucking beautiful. But Three Angels does fit the theme. I think I'm hitting a lot on death and, you know, just like death and rebirth and growth, right? And the lyrics in this song are, I got a new suit and a new tie and a new suit, cufflinks and a new tie and a real nice service for me when I die. And I don't know, like I heard it before I lost my mom and my brother. And actually I didn't go to my friend's funeral. I babysat her son instead. Um, I didn't want to go. I just, I just didn't want to go. I didn't, I didn't want to go see all of these people cry for someone that, you know, I used to live with. Like when, when my mom was getting a divorce, we lived with them. This is not the one that taught me how to smoke. (laughs) This was a different one. This was like the better, the better one. Like my, some of my favorite times that I remember growing up were living with this family. And, uh, you know, when she was gone, it, I didn't have the words to describe what that loss felt like until my brother passed away. After my brother passed away, I realized what I was looking for was like sibling family. But, uh, hearing that song now, I think about, I did have to go to my brother's funeral and help plan it and, um, built the playlist. And I did the same thing for my mom's and for both of them. I like requested special things. So like, for my brother's viewing, I wanted everybody to wear an Iron Maiden t-shirt. And for my mom's, I wanted everybody to wear a Harley t-shirt because she loved being on the back of that Harley with her husband, my stepdad. It meant a lot to her um, to just like go and be outside with the wind and her beautiful long hair. And, you know, the sun going down and just having that that ride. And, um, one of her requests for her funeral was a last ride where they come and they, they take the casket on a uh, motorcycle. So I, I made sure that that could happen for her. And, you know, when you hear three angels where he says that I got a new suit and a new tie and a real nice service for me when I die. Um, I tried my best to make sure that they were represented like who they were in real life. Um, the best that I could, you know, obviously everybody else gets to weigh in and shit and I'm only one person and, you know, there's all these other people who are louder and bigger than me, but I did my best to make sure that they were represented and I, I made their playlists and stuff. And when you listen to three angels, I think that it really does touch on just like that, that like life and death and life and rebirth. Um, they also like they they go on to say well, this is this is one of my favorite lines actually because this also applies to my life and and to some of my other friends' lives. They say that's the thing about living when you get there you're seldom forgiven and all of your best friends are people you just met and that's college right like some of my best friends even the ones that I lost contact with and that I came back into contact with later some of my best friends some of my best happiest moments and you know my best friend the Anna that has been here I've talked about her a lot the Anna is a college friend and she was one of those one of my best friends and she was someone I had just met but it was like this instant kinship between us and that's that happens sometimes when you're in the right place at the right time with the right 
just the right everything. You can make these beautiful connections. And I think Three Angels really touches on that. And they say about those friends that you just met, you can take them or you leave them, but they're sitting in this bar room. And I guess that beats the hell out of loneliness. And that's true. Also about this band, they do a great cover of Tweeter and the Monkey Man. And I recommend anybody that likes the Traveling Willberries to check that out because it's fucking fantastic. Next up, we have Lockstep and Gone by Rancid. Now I'm trying to kind of get it more upbeat. I've seen Rancid, I think, like three times. I'm pretty sure it's been three. Great time every time. They're a fucking phenomenal band. Um... I think at the time that I saw them in Columbus, it was the best mosh pit experience of my life. They were fucking amazing. And the fan group that was there was also fucking amazing. There was this dude there behind me. I was there with my friend that I had worked with at a gas station for a really long time. And it was Ashley. Um, and then behind us, there was this dude with a uh, mohawk, which we were so sweaty. Obviously, it, it had, you know, done like the orca curl where it just kind of falls down slowly. <laughs> and his girlfriend. And we were talking. They were from Pittsburgh. And uh, they were super fucking cool. They were both so fucking cool that I wish that, like, I'm not on social media or any of that. But I would. I wish I was for them because it would be cool if every time I saw Rancid, we could meet up. Because that was the best fucking time. Just the best time. And every time I, I listen to the album and Out Come the Wolves, I think about them. I think about them and I think about that time. Because, like, when they came out, when Rancid came out and they were playing and, you know, they there was, like, a moment where they came out and they did, like, a ska thing where they had, you know, like, a lot of brass uh, instruments out there. And the... The guy, like I, I normally when I'm in the pit, I don't dance. I don't do any of that. I'm five foot tall. Like, what can I do? Right. Like I'm not, I'm, I, the environments that I've been in where things have gotten really violent, I try to like kind of step out of the way or leave or whatever. One time I got into a fight with somebody, um, cause people used to think it was okay to just pick me up and move me so that they could be where I was standing. And this dude grabbed me the wrong fucking way. And, and then he hit me. I think he was just like way too belligerent, but he fucking punched me in the back of the head. And I turned around and my friend said I climbed him like a fucking monkey. I just grabbed a hold of him and I climbed up his shoulder and I just like piggybacked up there and just started banging on him. Like, fuck you, dude. But like, seriously, don't hit me. <laughs> but in this, in this mosh pit, it was much more, we're all here together. We're all here to dance. We're all here because... We love this. And the people that do want to like push forward and crush you, if you just tell them, get off me, obviously they're going to like, I mean, cause I did have that conversation in that, in that pit where I was like, dude, I need you to fucking get off me. And he was like, I just want to touch the bar like you. And I'm like, I don't want to touch the bar. I want you to get off me because my lungs are collapsing and I want to move. I, I didn't say it in so many words cause I didn't have an, enough air in my uh, lungs to be able to do that. But Prior to that, my Pittsburgh couple that were so fucking cool. I still have pictures of us on our phone. I can't remember their names. It's been like 10 years now, but I still have those pictures because it was such a great time. And 
they they played this song and just I I remember just like I was rocking out and then somebody just gently grabbed me by the shoulders like just like a touch like a almost like an embrace like hey trust me like trust fall into me and I turned around it was Mohawk guy his girlfriend which I hope is his wife now because they were fucking cool and you know and they and they and they just want to dance and so we just started fucking dancing and we got a little like circle going it was fucking awesome it was so cool. So lockstep I'm gone had to be or lockstep and gone had to be on here because I wanted to kind of bring me and my listeners out of that like depth, that like really hard hitting shit and then and get back to that moment where you can meet a stranger and, you know, kind of fall in love with each other a little bit. Right. Like I was so in love with them as a couple. They were in love with like me and my friend. We were in love with the moment. We were in love with the band. We were having the best time of our life. So like embracing life. Lock step, I'm lock step and gone. I keep saying lock step and I'm gone, but that's that's how the song goes. But you know, I not all fans are that cool, but the ones that are cool are that fucking cool. And and you you know, like I'm really lucky to have had that memory and that experience. I I always think of them. I don't. I wish I knew who they were. <laughs> uh, they were so fucking cool. Uh, and then the next song is Sheena is a punk rocker by the Ramones. I'm really feeling the punk stuff. So Ashina is a punk rocker. I was kind of going for fun, kind of dancey, upbeat. I had a boyfriend for like two weeks in high school. That's what I did. I never really dated anything from anybody for more than, you know, like a couple of weeks, a month or two. Anytime things started to get serious, I was like, okay, bye. Like I can't, I have intimacy issues. Uh, but this guy was really cool. He loved the Ramones. Uh, he was one of those guys that I think probably hacky sacked. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember, like, I don't, I don't know if you guys think that's lame or cool. I think it's cool. When I grew up, I, you know, I spent like four years living in a trailer park. There were these kids, the the high school kids, and they taught me how to rainbow the hacky sack, where you grab it with your heels and you flip it up behind you so that people can catch it. I used to play with them all the time. It was super fun. And he reminded me of that. But he loved the Ramones, and his love for the Ramones, I think, is why. I like the Ramones. I don't love admitting that because I don't want to be like that girl, but I kind of am and I'm okay with it. Um, he was cool. <laughs> there isn't any other way to put it. I wish that I may, I kind of wish I would have gotten to know him better. I mean, well, some of a couple of my friends, I had two friends that actually dated him. It was a really small town. Everybody dated each other, whatever. Uh, but like, he was really happy with a couple with, with those other girls. And I think that if I, if we wouldn't have dated and we just would have listened to music, we would have had a really fucking good time. His Ramones mix that he gave me. And actually I'm just now remembering the Rasmus. I don't know if you guys know who they are. But he, w I would let him read some of my poetry, and he told me it reminded him of of the Rasmus, and I thought that was a really high compliment. It's really high praise, I think. And but his love of the Ramones is why I think I like the Ramones. And Sheena as a punk rocker is just one of those like, it's okay to let the girl figure herself out and be who she is, right? And just dance and have fun. And so I think of him sometimes when I listen to them. And I followed that up with Mint Car by The Cure. And I think I just need to pause for a minute and talk about how much I love The Cure. They're great. Like, there isn't any, I mean, like, I, I could go on and on and on, but they're so great. And I, I guess, like, they're technically considered, like, a, and I do, like, some air quotes, a goth band. 
but like how we describe goth and what goth is, I think has evolved a lot and how people interpret it. I think the South park version of what a goth is touches on it a little bit, but I also think that's kind of screamo and emo and whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like if you get caught up in the description for what they are, you will immediately turn yourself off from it. But in reality, like they are so much fun. Like they are so much fucking fun. It's like that feeling, you know how when you're, I don't know, an adult, like a young adult, you know, or like, I don't like early mid twenties, late twenties and into like early mid thirties even. And you start to get really nostalgic and you start to think things like big league chew and, and, uh, bubble yum and all of that shit is fun again and koosh balls and things like that. That's how I feel when I listen to the cure. It's like, I'm, I don't know. It's like your inner child gets to come out and play and it's such a wonderful thing. And what I love about mint car is it starts with a scream, but like, 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 you know, like that screamo scream, like, ah, like, or well, how would that go? If you're actually screaming, ah! it's actually like, he does like a, like just this like really happy, like, ah! like, ah! I'm so happy. Ah! And he, in the first, in the first line is the sun is up. I'm so happy. I could scream. So he does like the, ah! and then talks about why that noise happened. And then, you know, later on, he says, your vanilla smile in a gorgeous strawberry kiss. So first of all, let's talk about those flavors, right? Like you can taste the song. That's fucking beautiful. I don't even know, like that is poetry in motion. I just, it's gorgeous. And then he says, vanilla smile and a strawberry kiss. That, that is part of the song. So he does that over and over. He'll talk, he makes a sound that goes along with what he's feeling. And then you instantly, like, I don't know, like your body responds, you start dancing. It's great. And it reminds me of being on those dates where you're living somewhere where there's nowhere to go and everything's closed and, you know, there's not even street lights and you're just on the drive, right? Like the date is the drive. Like we're just going to drive around town and listen to music and we're just going to listen to music and we'll probably argue over what's playing and we'll take turns picking songs and, you know, I don't know. Like, I know I've been on those dates and to me, they've meant the world. And, you know, maybe to the guy, they had fun, but I didn't put out. So it wasn't as fun. But then later on, they wished that in the moment they were having as much fun as I was. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those. There's something pure about going nowhere, doing nothing except for like the the visual and the, and the audio experience of we're driving, we're in motion, we're looking at what we're, what we're, what we're getting into and we're listening to whatever song each one of us thinks is appropriate to capture this moment. And those are some of the best dates I've ever been on. Those are just the best, the most fun. And, and as far as mint car is concerned, Robert Smith actually likes this song better than Friday. I'm in love. And he was disappointed that it didn't become a bigger deal. And, you know, he contributes that to, you know, not being an it band at the time that they released it because I think this was released in 96, but I don't know when I listened to it, 
it makes me think about how much, how, how much fun I've had on those dates and how much fun I have with my husband and, and how, like I, how perfect it is. It, it perfectly captures love. And then the next song, cause I did this on purpose. The next song is MFC by Pearl Jam. MFC is mini fast car. So I did mint car and then mini fast car back to back. And I put this on a, the first CD I ever made for my husband, uh, for Valentine's day, right? Like his first Valentine's day mix. I put it on there and I did it because, uh, go-karts is go-kart racing and all of that shit is really important to his dad. And, and he learned how to drive by driving go-karts first and my husband and, you know, his dad taught him or whatever. And I don't know, like we both love like classic cars. Like it's just something that we both really enjoy. It's not something that like we exploit like super hardcore, but we do love a good vintage, right? Like my favorite car, my favorite car, uh, before I met him was a 1968 Corvette Stingray. And I know that because my ex stepdad used to get the auto trader magazines and I just really liked the shape of the car. And, you know, I, I used to ask a lot of questions about it. Like, well, you know, what, what do they mean by stingray and what's up with the nose and the head and, and all of that shit. And then, you know, 20 years later, my husband and I are like, well, what's your favorite car? And he's like a 1968 stingray. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. That's my favorite car. Uh, <laughs> mini fast car is not a, not a stingray, but like there is just this, like, you know, it ties into mint car and then mini fast car because we both just really like that vintage, like, let's go for a drive and feel it out. And, and hand to God, my husband's the best driver in the fucking world. Like we've been on the highway and there's been a cooler in, in the road in front of us. We're surrounded by traffic, like a cooler, like a legit picnic cooler. And we're in my 2006 Ford Focus and somehow he can right around it. I don't know how. I don't know how he didn't hurt anybody, hit anybody, whatever. Same thing when we went to Nashville to see Pearl Jam recently, uh, there was like a two by four and he just zips. I mean, it's like a zipper, just zip, zip. I don't know, but I'm at the point in my life now where I don't like to drive anymore unless he's driving. Like I don't like to go anywhere unless he's driving. And I certainly don't like to drive because I don't have that ability. He can respond now and he can dodge now. And it's fantastic. And just, I don't know, like his dad, I used to go to, we used to go to the Winchester 500 in Indiana. It's a stock car race. And I had the best time there. The first, And they still laugh at me. The first time we went, his dad said, do you have any headphones or earphones to put in, like uh, earplugs to put in? And I'm like, I don't need them. I've been to like 80 concerts. I don't, I don't, like, I've heard loud noises. Okay, well, the thing about going to a concert when you're in a stadium and there are speakers and there's music and the thing about going to a race when it is, outdoor and it is engines and it is vibrations. And it, I don't, I mean like it's compact, totally different experiences. And I was an asshole thinking that I didn't need that, but I did, I had, because I was a fan club member for Pearl Jam at the time in, in one of my mystery boxes, I got, I got earplugs from them. So I did have them in my purse. So I tossed them in and his dad goes, Oh, I thought you didn't need those <laughs> because you've been to like 80 concerts or whatever. And you've heard music at such and such a decibel. You totally need them at a racetrack, totally different experience. So mint car and MFC, these two things I put on here, I think specifically for Ben, I love him. It is what it is. Um, 
and it's, I don't know, they just capture what it feels like to be driving around and just falling in love. And the very last line of MS in of MFC is a fuck it or disappeared, but he says, fuck it really fuck it or disappeared. And Ben and I used to text each other like, come get me. I don't want to work here no more. Come get me. I don't want to be here no more. Come get me. We still do. If we spend the night away from each other. Okay. Come get me. I'm ready to leave. Come get me. I don't want to be here no more. And I don't know, like that fuck it word disappeared. It makes me think of him, which is a high compliment because Pearl Jam is my favorite band. The next song is Lost in the Supermarket by The Clash. This one, I love The Clash, right? Like they're super fun. Everybody knows should I stay or should I go? But this one just makes me laugh. This is one another one of those, like, um, I wish I could have called my brother and been like, Dewey, we need to listen to this song, right? Like, the, he was the person that I would call and or text, or if we lived together, it would just burst into his room and be like, I got to take over your CD player. We got to listen to this. And, and that's how we communicated with each other. If he heard a song that he loved, and if I heard a song that I loved, and we always had to spend so much time in the car when we were teenagers, because we moved so much. And, you know, driving from point A to point B, especially when you lived out in, you know, Bufu, I mean, it took a while. And so when we were together, it would be, I'm going to listen to this. No, I'm going to listen to this. And I would slap his hands and be like, I'm the driver. And he would tell me, wait until I'm the driver. And Lost in the Supermarket was one of those, I wish I could have called him up. And, you know, at first it hurt me that I couldn't, but as I listen to it now, I mean, it just fucking cracks me up. That song is so much fun to listen to because it's, it, it just, it applies to so many situations. It touches on loneliness. I mean, like it's about, you know, uh, the, the lyrics are, I'm all lost in the supermarket. I can no longer shop happily. Like, like, you know, you're overwhelmed because it's too much. And, you know, I came in here for that special offer, a guaranteed personality. So like you're either trying to buy another person or you're trying to buy yourself, whatever it is, whatever they're trying to say. But it's funny because I'm all lost in the supermarket. And it reminds me dark humor of, you know, like, all of those times when like right after you go through some kind of trauma and you go to the store and like you're just trying to find apple juice and you just want to get out of there. But now you can't remember where the juice is and you can't remember where your car is and you can't remember. You can't remember. You can't remember. You can't remember. And then you hate yourself because why the fuck can't I remember? Right. Like, why can't I process my shit? Why can't I fucking remember? But I think it also just like touches on that loneliness. It's like you can't figure your way out of a grocery store. And I don't know, like, it's funny. It's lighthearted. I enjoy it. But then on like a heavier note, I remember after my brother died, my mom could not go to the supermarket. My mom, there were times when we would be there together. She would park her cart to the side and just start crying because it was too much. And we didn't know. But like, if you have PTSD and you have that mental health condition and you can't focus because it's overwhelming, there's noise. They're shuffling, there's people, there's, you know, shifting directions and having to be aware of everything that you're doing and every time and you could bump into somebody and they can bump into you. It's a lot of sensory. And if you have a mental health condition, that sensory overload, it can really fuck with you. And what I'm learning, because I'm, I'm 
working on a master's degree in social work so that I can help in the mental health field. What I'm learning about that is, you know, it's totally normal to go through that. And so anybody that's listening that has that experience, like that's fucking normal and lost in the supermarket is a really good way to understand and also laugh at the situation. Cause I do both. I laugh at it, but I also understand it in this like heavy way. Uh, the next song is Ole by the Bouncing Souls. And I've talked about Anna a lot. I, I think it's fair to say she's probably one of my favorite, not probably, she's definitely one of my favorite people. Like top three. And I think out of those three, it goes, it, it, yeah, it's, it's her, my husband and my stepdad. Those are my top three favorite people. It, it, myself too. Let's be real. But Ole, I think of her, I think of her, like I needed to bring up like a get pumped song. And I did listen to this with my brother and I still listen to it with Anna. And I also remember like I had a group of friends that were really punky, you know, like the Mohawk and, you know, the crazy hair. And we used to get drunk in like a basement and we used to, we used to go see the guys play soccer and then I remember, like, I mourned that loss that we weren't friends anymore. But then when Anna came back into my life, we went to soccer. We went to fucking the Columbus Crew games. And that was so much fun. We had a fucking blast. And I, two of my favorite memories. One, it was the Crew versus Toronto. And we got bitch slapped. I don't remember the player's name. I don't, but he was from he was from Brazil, but he was playing on Toronto's team, and he smacked the holy shit out of us. And I said, "We just got bitch slapped by Canada. Where the fuck is the yellow flag?" She cracked up. It was hilarious. Like she thought that was the funniest shit. And it was like the thing. The reason why it was funny is because for like six games prior, I kept making her teach me about the importance of the positions of, of the field. Cause I didn't get to play. I wanted to play when I was a kid. Didn't happen. You got your triangles. You guys don't see my hands. I'm making the triangle shape of how she taught me, but you got your triangles and you guys got to pass to each other and you got to run it down the field. And the, there was a very important thing about the triangle. And then I just remember we were fucking setting up that triangle. And then somebody came uh, out of Canada and bitch slapped the shit out of us. And I was like, those motherfuckers, we just got bitch slapped by Canada. And then we were sitting closer to the opponents than we were our own team. So I wanted to steal their flag and she had to talk me out of doing that. It was a whole thing. Like, you know, we won't, you can't steal that. Actually, she texted me this morning cause I had a dream about stealing something. And she was like, have you told your therapist about your stealing habits? I do have stealing habits. It's nothing with the barcode. It's just to fucking like put some justice back into the world settle the balance, whatever. But I will take things from people if they've pissed me off and I wanted to take their flag because we got bitch slapped and I didn't appreciate it. And she had to have a talk with me that if I took that flag, the people that owned that flag would hunt us down and whoop us. And we weren't prepared to take that beating and they would outnumber us and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't get to steal a flag even though I wanted to. But one of my favorite memories of that is singing Come On Eileen in the parking lot. And then last but not least, the closer is Straight Up by Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. I just wanted to end on a fun high. It's such a fun song. 
It is such a fun song. And I knew Anna would love it. And I knew my husband would love it. And these are the people that I get to share the music with now. So when I send a song and they respond with, that is so much fucking fun, I get so amped, right? Because I don't get to burst down Dewey's door and be like, listen to this right now. And let's talk about it forever. And let's make a car dance. Cause we always had a lot of car dances. I had so many car dances. It's gross. But like, actually that reminds me, I think I actually have nine, nine rose tattoos. I just realized I had another one, but yeah, uh, straight up it, I knew Anna would love it. And I knew Ben would love it. And I love it. <laughs> and if you guys haven't listened to it, you guys need to do yourselves a favor and listen to it. But to quote the Cold War kids, you need to let your hair down so that you can give yourself permission to have the kind of fun you should be having so that you can enjoy it for what it's worth. And that's it. That's all 15 songs. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>